on the phone with us right now, J.J. Dillon. How you doing? Great. How are you today? We're doing well. We're doing real well. Uh, how how you how you been lately? What have you been up to? Well, I uh, kind of been on the sidelines for uh, uh, the last month or so. I've I've had a chronic injury with uh, my left knee back to my active wrestling days, and it's something that uh, just has continued to deteriorate. And I was told a couple of years ago I was a candidate for knee replacement surgery because it was something that couldn't be uh, orthoscopically repaired and put it off and put it off and finally realized that uh, it was something that was an eventual thing that had to be done and so I went ahead and did it. So October 17th I had uh, full left knee replacement surgery and I've been uh, been in uh, extensive physical therapy for the last four weeks but uh, I'm, I'm progressing nicely. That's always good to hear. <laughs> it's always good to know that it, uh, you know, was successful and, and, and things like that. Um, so, um, prior prior to the surgery, when was the actual uh, last time that you were in a ring or, or around a ring? When when uh, when was the last time you were active? Well, my involvement uh, with the business has been primarily with uh, some of the uh, legend fan fests uh, that. Uh, have been held in various parts of the country. I had uh, two of them this year, uh, one with uh, Greg Price in Charlotte, who's done an annual thing for the last couple of years, and he's really done a great job of uh, bringing back uh, a lot of the old-timers. Uh, Charlotte was where I broke into the business, and um, it was where I was based uh, with the uh, – with the run that the horsemen had, that's where it all started. So I, I have uh, very, very fond memories of the Mid-Atlantic region, Charlotte, North Carolina, Crockett Promotions. So uh, I really look forward uh, to being invited every year and go back there. And like I say, uh, uh, Greg Price has brought in uh, a lot of guys that unfortunately uh, I wouldn't get to see uh, on other occasions. And, and there was also a, uh, a second reunion uh, that took place on Long Island uh, a couple weeks after the Charlotte reunion. And once again, I got to see some guys. Uh, uh, Rocky Johnson, I probably hadn't seen Rocky in 25 years, and uh, it was, of course, right before my knee surgery, and Rocky uh, confided in me that he had uh, knee replacement surgery a year ago, had similar problems, tried everything to uh, avoid the surgery in terms of uh, uh, injections, uh, different apparatus, and, and came to the same conclusion that uh, replacement was his only option. And you know, he was very candid with me that it was uh, uh, it was it was very difficult, very painful. Uh, that the uh, therapy is uh, uh, critical to the success of it because you got to get that range of motion back in there before a scar tissue builds up. And and um, so I, I found the time. It was good to see Rocky on a personal uh, note, but also it was great to uh, also have a chance to talk to somebody firsthand that it, uh, that it had surgery. But I also saw, oh, guys, that, uh, uh, you know, the, the, I always enjoy being around the funks. Uh, uh, one of my favorite territories when I was working was Amarillo, and on this occasion both Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk were at the same reunion, and uh, uh, they don't do very many appearances, especially together anymore, so I had some time to to spend with them. 
I mean, it was like the who's who of uh, the wrestling business was there. I saw uh, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and uh, Sean Waltman were there. Uh, uh, Lou Albano I hadn't seen for many years. He was there with the Samoans. Uh, it, uh, unfortunately, uh, from a business perspective for the promoters, uh, wasn't particularly well organized, and I... Uh, I, I don't know that it did well financially for them, but for for the guys, it was a great opportunity to get back and uh, spend some time with uh, guys that I haven't seen for a while. And of course, Bruno Sammartino was very uh, instrumental in, in me getting into the business, uh, starting as a referee, and then eventually uh, getting into wrestling. And he helped me uh, early in my career when there was nothing that I could do for him. He just did it because that's the quality human being he is. And he, after all these years, remains unchanged. Um, may well be the greatest champion that the business has ever had, but he's a, a humble guy and a great guy to be around. And it was, it was good to see uh, uh, Bruno along with uh, with a host of other guys. So it, it, that, that's primarily uh, what I've been doing is uh, um, doing these fan fests. And every now and then I'll have a promoter call me and express interest uh and me uh, coming in and doing, and doing an appearance uh, locally. But right now I don't have anything etched in stone coming up, and I'm kind of focused on uh, you know, getting fully recovered from my knee surgery. And my two passions are really uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club, which has been in, uh, around for 40-some years, and I was honored by them uh, last year, which was uh, very gratifying Anytime your peers recognize your accomplishments through your throughout your career and that was my I'm a lifetime member now and that was my my second reunion in Vegas and also I'm a very very strong supporter uh, of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum up in Amsterdam New York which has only been around now for about 6 years but they've done an outstanding job they have a a legitimate Hall of Fame where it's unbelievable the amount of things that uh are on display there. They've, they've already expanded now from one building going into a second building because they have so much stuff. And uh, last year I was the master of ceremonies for the induction of last year's class. So uh, uh, that was a great deal for me because Roddy Piper was inducted, as was uh, Ted DiBiase. And, um, you know, I interact with, with both. In fact, Ted DiBiase had his first professional match with me and I had a chance to wrestle uh, Roddy Piper uh, very early in his career and, you know, fairly early in my career. So I were, I, I'm on the board of directors now. I, I want to uh, support the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in every way I possibly can. So every interview opportunity, uh, I bring them up. And, uh, of course, I feel uh, the same way about Colorado Alley Club and also, in March, uh, every year, I try to go down to the Gulf Coast Wrestling Reunion, which is not a public affair. It's it's uh, pretty much closed to, to people that were in the business. But that was my first exposure to uh, getting together and being around some of uh, the old-timers. And uh, uh, that was uh, kind of broke the ice for me to get out to Cauliflower Alley for the first time. So I'm still, though I don't uh, watch the current product uh, very much anymore, I'm very proud of my background and my heritage and, and what I accomplished in the business. And to me, it's still the greatest business in the world. Now, you say you don't watch the current product. Uh, it may be an obvious question, but what do you not agree with with the current product, whether it be WWE or TNA? 
Well, I just feel that the business has changed so much. Uh, I, I often am asked with, uh, with interviews, um, you know, do I miss wrestling? And the answer is no, because uh, I don't miss wrestling, but I do miss what wrestling used to be. And I feel that with uh, all the changes, and you know, change is inevitable in everything, and, and certainly with wrestling too, but I feel the direction of the product got away from what I remember as the as the, the things that made wrestling special, which were the, the passion, the emotion, uh, the personal issues. Uh, it's now gotten to be, uh, you know, a series of, 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 of car crashes, of high-impact, uh, high-risk maneuvers, and the telling of a story and the involvement of the people, uh, you know, being able to go and have a match uh, in front of a live crowd and be able to, to do what you're doing as a performer in the ring for the audience on, on any given night, and the audience changes from night to night. Uh, you can go back to the same city and you'll have a different crowd than you had last time, and that's a lost art to, uh, to be able to uh, assess that and to be able to adjust uh, you know, what you do in the ring accordingly. So with all the changes, it's something that uh, I guess the only way I can describe it is uh, it's kind of painful for me to watch the current product, and so... Uh, I tend not to, but if I flick around and I see, uh, you know, Ric Flair on there, or I see someone like Fit Finley, who uh, I, I admire back to when I was at WCW and was instrumental in getting him back here because I had seen him, and then he went home to to Ireland, and when he called me, uh, I knew what he was capable of doing and uh, was anxious to get him back, and he's he's come back here and. Uh, uh, and done, he's, you know, to me, one of the standouts uh, at, the, at the World Wrestling Entertainment, and I, and I never get tired of watching somebody like Fit Finley. Right. Now, now, does it surprise you the direction that it's going? I mean, it seems like 2007 has just kind of been a, <laughs> a wild year. And, I mean, you've been around for a while, and I mean, you've, I'm sure you've seen things come and go, but, I mean, does it, does it ultimately surprise you, or is this kind of like something that was you knew was going to happen eventually in terms, you know, with media getting involved as heavy as they are, Congress wanting to step in, you know, so many wrestlers are dying, et cetera, et cetera? Well, certainly the Benoit tragedy was uh, was something that uh, nobody saw coming. Uh, I knew Chris. Um, I, I, I knew Nancy from back in the early days when I broke into the business, back in the early 70s when she used to attend the matches in Orlando uh, on a weekly basis. That was my first recollection of her, so I actually knew her uh, longer than I do Chris Benoit, but that was, uh, uh, it was sad. Uh, you look at the number of people in our business that uh, have died prematurely, and the list is, is way, way too long, and these are guys, uh, most of whom, uh, you know, I knew and, and had a chance to uh, share time with in the locker room, and it's, uh, it's a terrible tragedy that, that we've, we've lost so many. But the business, like I say, has changed. And one thing about the wrestling business, which is no different than any form of entertainment, whether you're talking the music industry or whatever it is, it's, it's a talent-driven business. Uh, people watch wrestling because of the wrestlers. And 
with the demise of the regional territories, which is where I grew up and cut my teeth back in the old NWA days, even to the point where you had two major organizations with WCW and with uh, what was then the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, It was kind of a sad day when WCW went out of business because it was an opportunity for wrestlers to have a place to work, to learn their craft, and ultimately, because Vince was the, the biggest game in town, and that, that was never, WCW was never a threat to Vince McMahon and to, uh, you know, his, his, his role as the, as the top wrestling company. But what they did was provide a, a means of, of talent that he could cherry-pick the best uh, performers, most of whom eventually ended up coming to work for him anyway. But once he put them out of business, I think he shot himself in the foot because then it it just narrowed that circle of people who get a chance to work and learn the business. And it, as the style of the business changed, that created another problem because all of a sudden now you have guys doing high-risk things that they never did uh, before. Um, the fact that you only had one place to work and the, the schedule being what it is, uh, guys had uh, back in my day we worked a full schedule we worked six and sometimes seven days a week and uh, we would do matinees uh, sometimes on a Saturday and or a Sunday and, and do television tapings in between and what happens is when you're working that kind of a schedule your your body toughens itself to the challenge of what you're having to do and when you cut the schedule back and you're not wrestling as many days uh, actually, that's when you're more susceptible to injury. So that combined with the style of wrestling today, you're finding uh, a lot more guys are having uh, uh, injuries, uh, muscle tears, and, and things that uh, often require surgery and put them on the shelves for six, eight months. That's not good for the, for the business either. And because you don't have depth in the business, uh, when you have somebody like uh, John Cena go down, there's nobody out there that you could, uh, you know, slide into that role because the, there are so few few guys in the business anymore. Now you reported the Four Horsemen DVD that uh, World Wrestling Entertainment put out earlier this year. Were you satisfied with what they put out? I was very pleased with the product. I, for those that have read uh, my autobiography, uh, Wrestlers Are Like Seagulls, will know that. Uh, When my tenure at the World Wrestling Federation ended, uh, my relationship with Vince McMahon was was strained, to say the least. And when I left there in 1996, uh, I I never saw or or spoke to Vince McMahon uh, again after that. Um, But uh, once he bought the rights to WCW, that gave him the... the, uh, the availability of ownership of all that old footage so that he could do a, uh, a retrospect of the careers of like uh, Steve Austin and Ric Flair where he had all of their career footage. And uh, I think Vince McMahon realized, too, that as the business changed uh, and that everybody was not necessarily enamored with the, with the, with the current product, with the current style, that there's still a... a uh, a sizable audience of people out there that yearn to look at that footage uh, of uh, that took place 20 years ago, and, I, and I, which is a, another reason why these fan fests are so successful. There's a, 
a sizable market of people out there that are willing to plan a weekend and go to the expense to come to a location knowing that uh, some of their uh, favorites from 20 years ago uh, are going to be there and they'll have a chance to interact with them because years ago we were we were insulated from the fans. We didn't have that much direct contact with them. And so 20 years after the fact, you know, these fans can come back and know that they can have pictures taken and get autographs and bring back their memorabilia. I mean, it's unbelievable some of the things that you see, posters from 15, 20 years ago and programs and, and uh, uh, fans, you know, bringing their children who have no idea who you are, but... Uh, I can't count the times I've had somebody come up to me and just look at me and say, I hated you, and look at their kids and say, I hated this man. And um, in the next breath, you know, thank you for, uh, uh, for you know, the entertainment that, uh, that you gave them that they now reflect back on and realize was, uh, you know, a very magical time in the business. Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job with the DVD. I was really pleased with it and had a, a great time watching it. Yeah, I didn't really answer your question, but I, I did get a call. I, I had heard that they were going to release a, a Horseman DVD, and um, even though I had said that I would never, ever work for Vince McMahon again, uh, at the same time, you know, things change that you that you can't foresee, and the fact that they were going to do a, a history of the four Horsemen, uh, I realized that I had to put whatever personal feelings I had aside that, uh, I, I owed it, first of all, to the fellow horsemen, and I certainly owed it to the fans, uh, you know, to agree to be interviewed and to, you know, help make the story complete. And so a, a producer from uh, World Wrestling Entertainment called me, and they came to my home and, and spent a whole day shooting uh, footage. Uh, I was treated with uh, the utmost respect and professionalism, um, I, I did not have a contract. I, I didn't receive royalties, but I was paid for uh, uh, for the time to do the interview. And uh, when I saw the finished product, I, I have to say I was very pleasantly surprised as to uh, uh, how the story was told, uh, you know, the flow of it, how it was edited. And I, I think, you know, it, it, it fairly accurately. Uh, depicted the history of the horseman uh, as I remember it, and it was uh, very, very well done, and, uh, and I guess the, the popularity, it did very well. I don't know where it stacked up with uh, with all the DVDs at the end of the year, but I know for a period of weeks there, it was uh, like number one at the top of the list of, uh, of uh, sports releases. Now, we got to know, lastly, could you give us a horseman story? <laughs> oh, I guess there's a... Uh, there's probably uh, a million of them. It's, it's funny, when Scott Teal approached me about uh, writing my autobiography, um, you know, the, one of the things he mentioned was, well, the fans, you know, there's so many fans that they really remembered me mainly as the, the leader of the Four Horsemen, and a lot of them didn't realize that I'd had an extensive career as an active wrestler prior to that where, you know, I had over 3,000 matches in, in my career. And so... Uh, uh, you know, doing my autobiography was a chance to really talk about my whole career that spanned, you know, like almost 40-some, well, 40-some years over over uh, over five decades. And uh, but when it when it came time to the the Horseman era of sitting down and telling a lot of specific stories, 
I told Scott, you know, I, I you know, it's almost like it was a blur to me. It was a, a time in my career that, as often is the case at the moment, you don't really have an appreciation for how great a time it is. You just uh, uh, you live for the day, and one day runs into another, and we we were we were uh, we were running hard, we were playing hard. It was a group of guys that uh, uh, came together who all in their own individual right were, were already successful in the business. So it wasn't like this was uh, something where it was a way to catapult the career of one individual by being part of the horseman. It just was spontaneous is the, is the one word that comes to mind, just a spontaneous thing where we all came together. We enjoyed being around each other. We spent more time with each other than we did our families because of the schedule that we kept. Uh, we were uh, tremendously successful. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, if, if there's a heel in the business, a monster heel, and the first time that he loses, uh, you know, the aura goes off. But with a horseman, uh, it seemed like uh, people never got tired of seeing us get our butts kicked, and as long as we could get back on television and had some bragging rights with one or more of the titles and and could have the interview time to put our slant on what happened that the, the fans would get so mad and say, oh, the next time, oh, I hope they, you know, you know, beat them alive next time. And we were able to uh, to go out there and just perpetuate the thing and just keep going and going in this like they never got tired of of uh, seeing us uh, get beat. And uh, over time, as is often the case, uh, no matter how hot you are, uh, the fans eventually uh, kind of love to hate you. And so we had a, a following of people that uh, really were Horseman fans. But in, in terms of specific stories, uh, there isn't any one story that, uh, that, that stands out there. It just was um, a, a magical time. And I would encourage, I, I have a website, which is jjdillon.com, and you can go on there, and there's a lot of old pictures from, from my career. And also it's a chance to... Uh, uh, at the top of the, uh, the, the main page, uh, you can see wrestlers are like Seagull that takes you to uh, Crowbar Press, which is Scott Teal's publishing company. And you can read all about the book. You can read the chapter headings and a little bit about what's in each chapter. And uh, it, it's a great, great book, not only because I wrote it, because it's, it's a human interest story of a kid from Trenton, New Jersey, that. Uh, as a teenager, fell in love with wrestling. It was his dream to pursue a career, and and I was very lucky that uh, uh, you know my my dream came true. And it's it's the story of how how it all unfolded and the uh, the, the uh, disappointments I had along the way, and and times where I was the right place, at the right time, and the the tremendous help I had from a lot of people along the way. And it's also I've been told a, a great uh, uh, history. 101 of, of of the wrestling business itself because uh, uh, my career was uh, from the beginning of the television era or close to the beginning of the television era in the in the mid 50s up through the the territories through the changes that came with cable television uh, through working with uh, Vince McMahon as his right hand man for almost eight years and then eventually going to WCW thinking that I would retire there only to find out that uh, in a corporate environment where you have non-wrestling people trying to run a wrestling business uh, you know, sadly the, the, the thing was uh, uh, run into the ground that uh, AOL Time Warner finally pulled the plug because of the 
the sizes of the losses, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, at the age of about 60 years old, I found myself, uh, sadly, you know, out of the wrestling business. But this is a history of all all of this from a unique perspective of somebody that was uh, on the inside uh, most of the way. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I'm I'm very interested in in, in uh, reading it and and. Uh, it's a it's a great book. It it is available on Amazon. Uh, dot com, but if you go to jjdillon.com or go to Crowbar Press, and uh, the, the book doesn't cost you any more uh, ordering it that way. And I continue, uh, even though it's been about two years since the book came out, to uh, autograph copies, personalize them if you so wish. So it's uh, no extra charge uh, other than the cost of the book, and it's just my way of saying thank you to the fans who not only supported me, but supported wrestling in all these years. And if you're a particular Horseman fan, it's a chance to add a great book to your library that you can have uh, signed and, and personalized, and especially coming into the holiday season, I think it's a really unique gift. Fantastic. And real quick, what's the name of the book again? The name of the book is Wrestlers Are Like Seagulls, and usually the first question I get is, well, what does that mean? And uh, I'm going to keep you in the dark and... and uh, tell you that you're going to have to get a copy of the book, and if you uh, if you read it, the answer to where the title came from is uh, is between the covers of the book. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, JJ, and hopefully we can have you on again soon. I've enjoyed it very much, and uh, like to tell all the fans out there again, thank you for all the years of support, and uh, I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and a happy holiday season. And to you too, sir. Have have a great night. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.